burnout is more prevalent than ever. And the pandemic has certainly been an accelerator. It's something I'll have shown an interest in, and something we're consequently going to make sure we have more room for conversations around, starting with today's guest. Dr. Zaria's journey is one that will really resonate with you. She has managed to maneuver from a path of prestige that was only leading to burnout to one of brilliance and leads others towards the same. It's a riveting journey that will really resonate with you. We also get to learn more from her about functional medicine. It's a little bit about the interconnectedness between all body systems. She explains it pretty well. She also reveals how even small tailored changes can make an important impact. This episode is packed with practical tips for managing burnout and achieving optimal health and wellness. Thanks to Dr. Zaria. Welcome to The Grit Show, Growth on Purpose. I'm your host, Shauna Rodriguez, and I'm happy to be here with you as your guide for all of us growing together as seekers and thrivers. Dr. Zaria Rubin is a Harvard-educated physician, a functional medicine health coach, and a keynote speaker. She helps passionate, high-achieving women get to the root causes of chronic illness symptoms and burnout so that they can heal from the inside out and truly thrive. She is right up our angle. She is the founder and CEO of Dr. Zaria, a boutique functional medicine practice in Portland, Oregon, which happens to be where I live, which makes this even more of a bonus. Thank you so much for being here with us, Dr. Zaria. I'm so excited to talk to you today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I know. I feel like it's going to be hard to fit everything in because we have so much to learn from you. So let's start with functional medicine because I'm not sure that all of our listeners have been exposed to functional medicine and kind of understand what is different about functional medicine. Yeah, sure. It's a great question and that's something that I love talking about. So functional medicine, the way I interpret it, it is a branch of medicine that focuses on holistic integrative healing. So we try to look at the whole person. We believe that all the body systems are connected. So if you have a toe problem, you might go see a toe doctor. If you have a stomach problem, you might go see a GI doctor. But we in functional medicine believe that there's often interconnections between all the body systems because well, the last time I checked, you know, your head is attached to the rest of your body and your blood and your cells are flowing throughout. And so things are not as isolated as I think we make them in our more conventional modern medicine world where everything is so subspecialized. So we look at things like environment, exposures, toxins, stress, diet, sleep, nutritional level, like what are your vitamin levels? We look at the nitty gritty of your labs and the biochemistry of it all and how it all comes together to either form a state of wellness or a state of illness. Finding that balance, making sure that everything's working together, kind of like a symphony, all the instruments are in tune and everything is making beautiful music instead of a lot of loud noise the first time I've used that analogy and I'm a musician, so I'm like, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to go with that in the future. (laughs) I love it. I love that. Yeah. We actually had, um, 
Will Halpin was on talking about internal family systems, and we actually had this whole conversation around internal family systems with it being a symphony and the different things out of tune or a drum being too loud or different pieces like that. So yes, we love the music analogies. Bring it in there. But I love the focus on wellness instead of just looking for disease or checking off a list of, oh, well, that's not wrong, so you're fine, instead of trying to find that middle ground of what's really going on and how does everything work together. Yeah, because we also believe not waiting until things are so far down the road that it's an actual serious diagnosis. And we believe in sort of really catching things early and checking out these imbalance, regulating things and putting things back into concordance and balance before they get to the point that really there's a lot of damage and a lot of inflammation occurring and then it's much harder to reverse. Yes. Definitely. So what led you to this focus of looking at things more holistically instead of just specializing in one area or one piece of medicine? Yeah. So I used to be a sub-specialist. I studied, I know, I studied internal medicine and then I studied neurology and then I focused on adult epilepsy. And so I did so much advanced training and so many years of fellowship, residency, and this and that, the other thing. And in the end, I burned out. It wasn't the right fit for me, for my personality, for my nervous system, working in a very busy tertiary care academic hospital, very, very sick patients, you know, crazy hours being on call. I was working at Columbia Presbyterian in New York City. It was like an incredible job and opportunity, and it was very prestigious. And I was like very successful for all intents and purposes from the outside. But on the inside, I was really, really unhappy and just really burnt out. Had undiagnosed PTSD and was just kind of making it through every day, but not very successfully going through the motions. And I realized that I just couldn't live my life on layaway, waiting to be happy one day. So I made the very, very, very difficult decision to walk away from a career in medicine, at least conventional career in medicine. And that was probably the hardest and best decision I've ever made. And I did a lot of other things. I worked in industry. I worked at a startup. I you know, ended up in the pharmaceutical industry for a number of years, helped pay off my debt. It was a very challenging career and it was wonderful, but I became a mom late in life and decided I wanted to focus on my daughter and my family. And, you know, that required a lot of my attention and time and focus and energy. And I wanted whatever next step and next career to be something that would fit in with my life, not that my life would have to fit somehow around my career in the nooks and crannies. I wanted my life and my family to be the priority and my career to be a priority, but to be more flexible and something that I could, it could be adaptable. And so racked my brains, like, what can I do? What can I do with all my medical knowledge? Yes. And all of my skills, but that is a sort of a different format. And I happened upon the field of health coaching. And I went back to school. I studied at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York and did this health coaching program. It was wonderful. I learned so much about the human body, nutrition, and coaching, and how it's, you know, it's different from medicine. Kind of like the difference between an orthopedic surgeon and a personal trainer. I mean, they're 
they're different. They're complementary. It's just different things. And I really liked it. But I was getting tired of telling people to like drink more water and eat more greens and get more sleep. And like all those things are super, super important. And if we did all of those things, we'd all be much healthier. But the sort of the neurologist part of me and the medical part of me was craving more detail, more science, more nitty gritty, like, ooh, I want to dive deep and like check people's like, what are their hormone levels or what's their cortisol look like? And like, so I discovered functional medicine as the perfect bridge between conventional medicine and modern medicine that I had studied and more integrative, holistic nutrition and health and health coaching that it was somehow this happy medium that I could do a bit of both and live in both worlds, merge them together, use all of my skills and all of my people skills to create something incredible that women really need. Oh, Dr. Zaria, I love this. And we actually talk a decent amount on our podcast about that skill stacking aspect of really looking at your life and your career, the things you've done, the things that you love, and finding this unique space where they all align that you can offer yourself to what is needed in a way that really complements who you are and what you have to offer in a way that brings you joy and brings that purpose, but at the same time fits with who you are and fits with your life. So this is so beautiful that you're doing this and it's such a needed area. Thanks. And it's not easy. Let me tell you, it, there's been a lot of iteration. I have had more careers than, you know, people change hairstyles or underwear. Like I tried a lot of different things. And finally, I realized that, you know, working for myself was kind of what I wanted to do as well. Although being an entrepreneur, really tough gig, very rewarding also. So yeah, for people who are still struggling with that, it's not something that happens overnight or comes easily. You got to just keep at it and keep searching for that right fit. Yes. No, that's exciting. And the work you're doing is so exciting because I think it's wonderful to have your level of experience and your history in these different areas and the way that you've brought them all together because that level of information from your past career in medicine to bring that to your current work in medicine, I think probably is so valuable for your clients. Yeah, it's a pretty unusual mix. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. So can you talk to us more about how that looks with your work, how with burnout, how those things play out and come together and your clients and yes. Sure. So I feel like burnout is something that is so common, especially right now, especially post-pandemic. Burnout rates have skyrocketed both during the pandemic and after. We're not seeing as much recovery as one would think. Like you would think, oh, now the burnout rates should be going way down, but they're not. Because I think we've just hit this breaking point where we've been trying so hard to do all the things, especially as women. And that takes a toll. It takes a toll on you mentally, takes a toll on you emotionally, and it literally takes a toll on you physically and can manifest in many different ways in, in actual physical ailments. It's not frank diagnoses and disease. So, you know, stress-related illness, high blood pressure, diabetes, autoimmune disease, cancer, sleep disorders, anxiety, mood disorders, depression, they're all connected to burnout, which comes from having the nervous system on such a high 
consistent, constant level of stress. Yes. And we're not designed for that. We're designed as human beings to have bursts of stress that then dissipate. You know, you're chased by a saber-toothed tiger, you run away, you escape, or you kill it and bring it back to the tribe. That's what we're designed for. We're not designed for these sustained levels of constant stress that come from either, you know, the world we live in, the news, what's going on every day, social media, the constant barrage of stimuli and technology and information overload and all the stress of, you know, modern parenting and relationships and all of these things that, you know, didn't exist so much in the past. There were different stressors, of course, but there's just a lot. And pandemic was kind of the last straw, I feel like, for so many people. So that shows up in so many different ways. And I think a lot of people often come to me and they say, like, help me be more tolerant of stress. And I'm like, yeah, actually, we're going to do the opposite. I'm going to help you to be less tolerant of stress because that's the secret. We don't want you to take on more and more and more stress until things just fall apart. And great, I want you to recognize early on what your signs and symptoms are of too much stress and overwhelm and address those rather than let them become chronic and become constant and cause real disease. Yes, there's this element with boundaries that's so complicated that is so important. Boundaries, oh my gosh. I've discovered boundaries late in life and holy moly, holy banana. So Terry Cole is the really kind of this boundary guru. I don't know, she wrote a book called Boundary Boss. Ooh. Highly recommend it. Really? Yeah. I'm writing that down. We need to put that in the show notes for folks. Boundary Boss. It's it's really terrific. It really talks about what boundaries are, what they aren't, how to create them, how to enforce them, how not to feel like you're being a jerk and being mean, how boundaries actually help you and help the other person. Yes. Yeah. And it's a skill that needs to be taught and acquired and learned. And I think as women, we're often such people pleasers and we want to be liked and we want approval and that we lose sight of our own boundaries and our own limitations. Yes. Yeah. Because there is a lot of fear about defining ourselves if we're not liked, if we're not seen as that person and how we can see ourselves as being that and who we let down and what that means about who we are if we do have boundaries and the complications of doing that. Yeah. And just reframing that narrative and that story that we're telling ourselves that you know, we're going to be less well-liked or we might, you might even be more well-liked if you're clear about things with people and they don't feel confused. Yes, exactly. And that clarity piece is huge. We had in episode 42, um, Catherine was on and she talked a little bit about this beautiful example of somebody spoke up in one of her workshops that said that they did have good boundaries because she was surprised. Nobody ever says that they have that. And they said that their family, their sister, that they can call and say like, if I'm the last person you have to talk to, you have five minutes, but otherwise I can't do this right now. And that they can say that to each other. And I'm like, that is amazing. And to be able to have that check-in to establish that, right? Like, so to be the friend that could actually call and say, how are you doing? I'm having a hard time. Are you in a place that I can talk to you? To start with that so that it's safe for that other person to be able to say, you know, actually, I've had a really bad day. If you need me, I'm here. But if not, I can only do five minutes. Yeah. 
if I'm the last person, but if you have somebody else, yeah, call somebody else and to start normalizing that and to have it with your kids that you talk about with them. Like, would you be in a place that I could talk to you right now? And if not, that's okay. And what does that feel like? And to start normalizing that because we've never been taught that or normalized that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Boundaries are something, yeah, that we weren't taught. And so it's something that we have to teach ourselves and have to learn about. And it's harder when we're older, but but it's important. It's so important. So important to protect your mental and physical energy too. You can't just give it all away and expect to feel great and to feel like you have the time and the energy for the things that you want to do for yourself. If you're constantly giving it to other people and you're not filling your own cup, it's the whole concept of pouring from an empty cup versus having it overflow and fill the slather. And then you've you've got plenty to go around. Or like oxygen mask principle. I always tell my clients to like, put on your own oxygen mask first because otherwise you are not any good to anyone. Yes, exactly. I remember when I was in a former life, I was a mental health consultant and there was a teacher that had a really rough experience with one of the kiddos in her class that was having a hard time. And when I came in to meet with her afterwards to kind of debrief and talk with her about it, she shared with me that she found out that morning that her father had died and she'd come in to work. And she was definitely someone who prided herself that she came into work, even though she found out that her father died. And my conversation with her was, you really should have taken care of yourself and stayed home. Because the interaction you have with that child that did not go well, you weren't in the place to be what that child needed because you need to stay home and take care of yourself. So you staying home and taking care of yourself isn't just about you. It's about the kids in your classroom as well because they need the best of you. And when you can't give the best of you, you need to take care of you and stay home and take care of yourself because that's why the situation got so out of control and came to this level because you weren't taking care of yourself first. So as much as people try to frame it as being selfish to stay home because your father died and you just found out and you take care of yourself, it's not selfish. It's for everyone that you need to take care of yourself because it's okay that you can't be fully present after something like that happens. It's okay that you need to take care of yourself. It's necessary that you need to take care of yourself. I hope that person recognized the time. I think she was furious with me that I wasn't like patting her on the back and being so proud of her that she came to work, even though she had this really bad thing happen that instead it was like, I really needed you to stay home today. And I really need you to take care of you because it's so important that you can be in the place to respond to this because these little kids, they aren't the ones that have to be the adults. They're the ones that unfortunately will have blowouts and have bad days. And we're the ones that have to be understanding. And so it was it was such a hard conversation to have. And, and I could see in her other people in my life that are the same way, that they're so bad. No, I'm going to be here no matter what. Like, even if I'm sick, even if I'm this. And no, I mean, we have to reframe all of that. Awful culture. I'm going to go to work even if I'm dying. Like, I think hopefully the pan- the pandemic has changed that. I hope so. No more going to work sick, people. Just don't do it. Just go get on Zoom, stay home. Don't give everyone else your garbage. And it's just we need to to celebrate that, not the yeah, I dragged myself to work the day that my father died. I mean, goodness, like what have we taught people as a society? that that is some sort of badge of honor, that should be shameful. Yes. You should take care of yourself and your family and have time to grieve and be with your emotions and not 
be forced to push it all down and just show up for work because, yeah, it's not going to go well, obviously. And we'll have a much happier, healthier, more productive world if we just simply take a moment to pause. And what do I need in this moment? And maybe like sacrificing myself on the altar of busyness and hustle is not it. Yes, exactly. And to be able to to recognize that the best thing you can do and to like congratulate people and celebrate people when they choose to take care of themselves. And I make such an effort. I had somebody that canceled um, recording an episode of this podcast because they had a family situation that came up with one of their kids. And my response to them was, thank you for giving me as much notice as they did because they did give me a decent amount of notice. And I I totally praise you for taking care of you and your family because that is the most important thing. And welcome you to let me know when you can reschedule this because we need to, as individuals, celebrate and support when people draw boundaries. In my entire life, I have people that will tell me like, you should tell them no. You should tell them no. And I'm like, you would be furious if I said no to you. Like, you need to be the person I can safely say no to before you tell me to tell no to other people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Totally. So we need to model more of that. But yes. But back to your work more. I want to hear more about your work and some of what you've done with clients. Can you give us some examples of some of the work that you do? Yeah. I mean, without, you know, revealing too much information about folks, The way I generally tend to work is I love to take a very, very detailed history from people. So most of the information is gleaned in the story. Like, tell me your story. What's been going on with you? When did it start? What's bothering you? Like, what's your past experience with this? If it's new, is it different? Or when was the last time you felt great and had energy? And for some people, it's like 20, 30 years ago. And I'm like, oh my God. We do a deep dive into diet. Like, what does a typical day look like for you? Like, what does breakfast look like? Lunch, dinner, snacks? Like, are you snacking late at night? Are you skipping meals? Are you eating all fast food? That tells a lot of story. So gather a lot of that very detailed information. And also, you know, what medications are you on? What supplements? How is that playing into the picture? And then if folks have had lab work done recently... I ask for that or I ask them to get it done before we work together because you can learn so much from just the basic blood work, basic stuff that you get at your annual physical, not to knock doctors because they're amazing and they're working really hard. But oftentimes I will see a report that says, check everything great. And then I will look it over and I will find so many things wrong because we just take a different approach and we look at the blood work with a fine tooth comb. And we also don't just look at the normal value. Like if it falls within the normal range, you know, for the lab, everything's fine. Well, where is it on the range? Is it 0.1 above the lowest value, which is an average, by the way, from probably, you know, men of a certain age and a certain weight doesn't hold true for everyone. So is it normal or is it optimal or is it? suboptimal for you as an individual. So I look at everyone's blood work very differently and really specifically and in relation to what their current situation is, who they are, what their symptoms are, what medications they're on, their age, et cetera. And so that's really helpful. And that often uncovers so many hidden things that we can dive deeper into. And then in terms of the diet, Stuff. We really go deep into that. 
We talk about, you know, what changes can we make? How do we figure out how to have more home-cooked food without stressing you out? Well, I don't cook. Like, okay, there's things called meal prep kits. Have you heard of them? They're awesome. Yes. I'm a big fan of meal prep kits. Hello, Sun Basket. I love you. They really do help bridge the gap between folks who, like, they don't know how to cook. They're not necessarily wanting to learn how to cook, but they want to eat healthier. And that's a really great way to do it. Yes. Well, I've noticed they've helped me save on my grocery bills because I tend to waste things, unfortunately, when I go to the grocery store and I have big aspirations, whereas they give me exactly how much I need to cook exactly what I need. Yep. And it's often inspiring. And you're like, ooh, I've never tried that before. That's kind of cool. I might do that again. It's the reason my fiance loves Israeli couscous. He never would have had Israeli couscous if not for meal kits. There you go. Yeah, it's good. My daughter loves it too, which reminds me, I got to make it again. I haven't made it in a long time. We do a lot of elimination diets. We also do food allergy testing, but I, I try to reserve the hardcore functional medicine testing because it can be it can get very expensive. So I don't just order all the tests for all the people. Very specific and tailored to the individual. So if I suspect what's going on with food allergies and it's very specific, I'll just say, you know what, let's cut out gluten and dairy for a while and see what happens rather than run this full panel of food allergy testing. And sometimes it's indicated for sure. And sometimes folks want it. And sometimes it does help motivate people if they are not really believing it or if they don't want to. Like, but it's my favorite stuff. And if I can show them a test that shows like four plus reaction to something, then they might be more inclined to give it a try. I know food eliminations and, you know, food diets are really, they can be really hard um, to implement. And I try not to put people on those, you know, forever unless it's really indicated. And sometimes people think, well, I feel so much better on this different diet. And then if we reintroduce the food and they feel so much worse, then we take it away again and they feel so much better. They're like, done. I'm going to just stick with it. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So this is like not nearly as scientific and connected, but I used to drink caffeine religiously. Like Dr. Pepper was my drug of choice religiously, like from the time I was in high school on and, but didn't think I was affected by caffeine. And if you talk to members of my family, they'll still say like, I'm not affected by caffeine. I'm not affected by caffeine. And I just tried not drinking after four o'clock for a considerable period of time without thinking about it. It wasn't that hard not to do it. And then a girlfriend of mine was in the hospital and I went and just picked up like literally kid meals from Burgerville to go visit her when she was in the hospital. So it was a kid meal size Dr. Pepper that I got because it came with it. So I drank that with her at the hospital like 6 or 7 p.m. when I visited her. Could not sleep that night and was like, oh my gosh, caffeine does affect me. And it was so like just the experiencing it to see the difference was so valuable for me to do that. Because even when I started the experiment, I didn't think it made a difference not doing it. Like, I didn't think it made a difference. Like I did it, but I didn't think it made a difference until the one time I drank the caffeine and could not sleep and was like, oh, wow, I guess caffeine does affect me. Whoops. Yeah. We need a big sort of wake up call because I always use this analogy with my patients too. It's like, like the frog in the boiling water. Okay. So if you take a frog and you put it in a pot of boiling water, what's it going to do? Jump out. But if you put the frog in room temperature water, you turn up the heat slowly, slowly, slowly until boiling. 
Never even notices. It's not going to notice. It's not going to leave. And for so many of us, we have been doing the same thing every day for so long, exposing ourselves to things that are possibly toxic for our own body, things that were possibly inflammatory, things that are possibly allergen for us. And we don't notice. We just feel kind of crappy all the time. And we're like, yeah, that's just how I feel all the time. So maybe this is just life. Believe me, I personally have been guilty of this. Maybe it's just motherhood. Like maybe just being a mother is just like really shitty, really exhausting. Like then it was like, no, I have this diagnosis, this, this. Like I had so much going on in my life when my kiddo was little and realized, wow, I really need to totally change my life. And really focus on stress. Because I was like, but I eat all the kale and all the broccoli and I walk and there's and that and I exercise and I was doing all the right things mm-hmm. except for stress. Yes. Well, and a lot of times when you go to doctors, and I can say this because I'm not a doctor, so I can be more contrarian. But when you go to doctors, a lot of times like, oh, you're just getting older. or You can never expect to go back to that. And I know that when I was been through a really, you know, difficult time and they're like, oh, you you can't expect to remember those things again. And you're just going to get things wrong now. And you're not going to have good memory. And your memory is just going to change as you get older. And things are going to be different. And you're not going to be good at those things. Instead of actually like, how can we address any of this? And so it's so nice to have somebody like, oh, no, you should have energy. Yes, you should be able to remember things. You should feel better. Like this isn't normal. It's not just motherhood and getting older. And I feel even more so as women, that things get dismissed a lot in the medical community is not listening to symptoms the way we're feeling or wanting to find answers. Yeah, women get dismissed a lot. Everything gets blamed on like, oh, it's just, you know, life or hormones or whatever. It's like, I mean, it can be, but it's often a lot more than that. And it's more complicated than that. And there, yeah, there are often things we can do about it. Yes, there are things you can do about it and we can be empowered to do things about it instead of like, oh, just surrender to your fate. There was somebody I was talking to me that was telling about their future mother-in-law that basically she just sits in a room and watches TV and is just surrendered to just being old and miserable or whatever. And it's like, no, we don't have to surrender to being old and miserable. We can, there's things we can do. And yeah. And you know, we look at the blue zones, you know, this concept of these societies around the world that have the highest percentage of centenarians, so folks who live to 100 and beyond, but who are healthy. And so it's really fascinating stuff. Dan Buettner is the guy who like looked at this and does this research. And I think he's published a book on Blue Zones. And it's so cool because we see a lot of similarities among these societies. They stay physically active. They eat mostly a plant-based diet with, you know, mostly fish and not a lot of meat. They drink a little bit of alcohol. They have a very close-knit circle of friends and friendship being so important, community, socialization. And, you know, they're active. They keep working in some capacity for a long time. So there's all these indicators and there's often intergenerational types of society. And we don't do these things and we don't facilitate these things. And I think we could do a lot better. And especially post-pandemic, there's so much isolation. People are so lonely and we need to recreate that sense of community again. Bring people back together. Yes. We had Dr. Robin Miller. She was on an earlier episode. I feel like she was back probably in the 
20s, probably around episode 20, talked more about the blue zone and a great story about somebody who outlived the doctor that told them they weren't going to, <laughs> they weren't going to make it because they moved, they moved back and walked around the vineyard and the type of, I forget what type of exercise that was, where it was just part of your life that you worked it in to keep active and doing those things. But the connection relationship piece, that stuff is so important as well. It's very important. It's so exciting the work you do and that you have this lens. So I definitely want people to be able to connect with you because you do consults and so people can connect with you, right? And yeah, I mean, I offer free introductory consults for folks. For now, they're free. If things get busier, I can have to start charging for them. But for now, they're free and you can book them on my website or through Instagram. It's just a, it's either a phone or a Zoom consult that we can have where you just kind of tell me what's going on with you. I tell you a bit about who I am and what I do and what my approach and philosophy is. And we decide whether, you know, it'd be a good fit to work together. And and right now I'm only really offering like little short mini packages of three sessions um, to work together, like three one-hour sessions for a package. And, you know, I find that that works for folks where we can really kind of get into things, try to solve things, see what the outcomes are. And then if we need to have more sessions, we can. But it helps people really get a jump start, get on top of things quickly, rather than like drawn out lots and lots and lots of sessions, which I, you know, sometimes they used to speak folks over a three month or six month period, but that's a lot of sessions. And then there's like holidays and travel and whatnot. And you, it ends up being just difficult to stick with it. And so I feel like these short focused bursts of working together really works well. Nice. So yeah, if folks want to connect with me, they can do that. They can book a free consult. They come hang out on Instagram. They can sign up for my newsletter and they can join my my free women Facebook group. It's a private group that's very supportive. We're we're doing a fun decluttering challenge right now, which is like people are like, well, what the hell does that have to do with like stress and burnout and functional medicine, I'm like, you'd be surprised. It's all connected. I joined her Facebook group just for this challenge, y'all, because I was excited about it. Oh, great to have you there. But yeah, I feel like when we have so much clutter around us in our physical environment, you can't focus, you can't relax. It's actually kind of stressful and oppressive. And you need a calm environment, you know, your bedroom, if it's overflowing with stuff, how can you sleep well? If your office, if your desk is covered with crap and how can you work clearly? So I feel like letting go of what we don't need is a really key concept. So many areas of life, it goes back to boundaries, goes back to containers. It goes back to decluttering. It goes back to elimination diet. It, letting go of what we don't need and keeping what we do need and what brings us joy. Yes. Yeah, one of my listeners, when we had Persifer around Feng Shui in one of the really early episodes, probably around four or five, when we had that episode, somebody connected because they'd spoken about how your outward world is sometimes a reflection of what you're feeling internally. And so that decluttering thing is kind of that if you're feeling a lot of chaos and it's reflecting your outside environment, like organizing that environment kind of helps you. Those are reflections of each other. And so that kind of mirroring is a good reason why to be looking at that decluttering because that is sometimes an expression of the inward stress that you're feeling is that outward expression of it. And so that is an important reason to look at the decluttering. And one of my 
one of my listeners was like, oh my gosh, that resonated so strong with me around me looking around my front room and where things are at. And like, yes, this is how I feel right now. And this is stressing me out because this is how I feel. Where is that thing that I need? Or like, oh, you buy it, but you already have it, but you can't find it. And it's like, that's stressful. It adds to our chronic you know, baseline stress levels, which we just don't need in life. Yeah. So we're going to get to all the ways to get a hold of you. And it's going to be in the show notes, but tell us the Facebook group now, since we're talking about it in more depth. It's called Burnout to Brilliant. Oh, and yeah, and it's on Facebook and it's a lot of fun. It's only for women. It's private, doesn't cost anything. And we just hang out. We talk about, you know, healthy recipes and some functional medicine stuff and clean beauty stuff with another fun side gig that I have. And then right now we're focusing on decluttering. That's just what I'm focusing on. And I'm like, hey, if anyone wants to jump on this and boy, has it taken off. I mean, people connected with that. It landed with people. I was like, okay, I'm not the only one who needs to declutter around here. It was like, Burnout to Brilliance, you can search for our Facebook groups or we'll have the link in the show notes for sure. So that's great. So the other thing we want to make sure we get to is our self-care spotlight or something I will rename eventually. It's more about life maintenance and how you maintain yourself in this world. So can you share with us what you do for self-care for your maintenance? Yeah. So it's so important for me to get sunlight and daylight. Like especially living in Portland. So I actually can't really see it here, but I have a light box that I have on my desk that I turn on in the morning because we don't always have external sun. I mean, today we do and it's gorgeous. Finally, it's been a while in Portland, but... (laughs) Get out there and get the vitamin D, go for walks with my dog. But I also find, I love doing yoga, but I also find I do need some a little bit more hardcore exercise that's not too stressful. So I love, love, love bar three. Bar three is my jam because it is no impact, but it is cardio, muscle work, weights, flexibility, like flow. And there's some mindset breath work stuff at the end too. So I find that it really encompasses so much. It's such a great workout. You burn so many calories. It's just really satisfying. And so I try to do that as much as possible. And I do love the group exercise vibe. Of course, for years during the pandemic, I didn't go in person. The studio was shut down. I did it online. It's not the same. That energy and that vibe of being surrounded by other wonderful women who are all there to do this, to really take care of ourselves. So I love that. And then I also meditate every single day. Nice. And every night. So I love the Headspace app. Little plug for the Headspace app. I don't get any kickback from them, but I do you love that app the most? Insight Timer is also great. And there's a free version of that one. So highly recommend Insight Timer. Mm-hmm. And meditation doesn't have to be this big, scary black box. I think for a lot of people, it's very intimidating. And even for me, I was like, I can't meditate. I'm too stressed to meditate. Forget it. You know? And like, that was ridiculous. Like, that's exactly why I needed to meditate. Because people fear that they can't be still or they can't be quiet or it's too calm, it's too quiet, and I I need to be like stimulated. No, you don't. You need to meditate. And that's why I love the Headspace app. It was the first attempt at meditation where it made my busy mind make sense. Like the way they explained meditation made my busy mind make sense. And they have this great like intro course where you work up to it and they explain it. And like 
Meditation is not the process of clearing your mind and having no thoughts. Yes. Right. So people think, well, I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought for years and people do it. I was doing it all wrong because my mind, yeah. You're doing it right because you're noticing your thoughts. And that is all that we can ask is that we notice our thoughts and we come back to it. We come back to the centering. We come back to the breathing. We come back to the focus. But we're going to have thoughts. They're going to come and go like clouds shifting in a blue sky. Yes. And it is kind of that practice of letting go and non-judgment of the fact you're having those thoughts. Whereas before when I would try to meditate, it was a complete practice in self-judgment <laughs> the entire time because I would be so frustrated with myself that I could not have a clear mind and that I couldn't stop thinking. And that every time, because I would do yoga and they would try to get you. And I'm like, no, my mind just doesn't stop. And I just get frustrated with myself the whole time. And the more we notice and the more we observe and the more in tune we get, with our body, with our breath, with our mind, the more we are going to be able to find that calm when we need it. Yes. And it's so meaningful. So for so many things. I love it. Yes. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And then for our takeaway for our audience, for our grit wit that they can take away and apply to their lives, what would you like to share with us for that? A little bit controversial, but this is what I tell my folks. And it's very simple. Do one thing left. Ooh, simple and yet hard. <laughs> we are always trying to cram in more. It's like, ooh, I have this errand to run. Can I run this other errand at the same time? Can I squeeze this in? Can I fit this in? Well, I've got all these appointments booked, but can I fit this other appointment in as well? And what ends up happening is that invariably, we don't have enough time to do all those things. Like maybe theoretically, we'd have enough time if everything goes perfectly and there are perfect parking spots and we hit all the green lights, but like that's not how the real world works. So if we take something off of our plate, do one thing less, it allows us more space and breathing room to do those other things well and with less chaos and less panic. You know, the other analogy I, I use is like when you're, like if you're clearing the table or something and you've got all of these plates and cups and forks and things and they're all stacked high and you're like, oh, there's that one more cup and you reach for it and you try to balance it and all the dishes crash to the floor. And if you had just not picked up that one cup and just be like, you know what? No, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to do it next time. I'm going to make two trips from the car with all the groceries because they don't fall and the bag breaks or I throw my back out and then I'm out of commission for three weeks. It's like, so this is my revolutionary act that I would propose all of you try. One thing less. I like the one thing less. As you were saying, all of that, I had this image of me when I was in my mid-20s probably and I had roommates and the roommates never emptied the dish drainer because we washed dishes by hand, dish drainer. And I was not going to empty the dish drainer. And there was like one bowl to put on top. And I'm like, I'm not going to empty. I'm just going to put this bowl on top. And it was a glass bowl. Obviously not a good decision on my part. So I put the glass bowl on top and like a bunch of dishes fell off and the glass 
bowl shattered all over the floor, other dishes broke. And so my roommate came home to me sitting at the dining room table painting watercolors with broken dishes all over the kitchen because I was like, just couldn't even deal. I just went and got my watercolors and sat at the table and started watercoloring. And my roommate came home and was like, what? What what happened? I'm like, I'll clean it up later. I'm watercoloring right now. Like, I'll I'll clean that up later. It's like I'm at capacity. I will clean that later. Cause yes, I should not have put that extra bowl on top. What happens when you put that extra bowl? You know, there's a reason there's the expression like the straw that broke the carriage mat. But yeah, I mean that's it's a classic expression for a reason. And I think that it just it ties back into so much stuff that we talked about about different, you know, reframing different societal expectations of this more, 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 do, 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 faster, 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 busier, busier, busier. Doesn't work. Just doesn't work in the long run. Yes. It's okay to take one thing out and find the one, spend your energy finding the one thing to take out instead of finding your energy trying to find the one thing you squeeze in. I love it, Dr. Zaria. I love it. That's beautiful. Perfect. So let's tell people again, so you, where they can find you. So give us your Instagram handle if that's one of the best places and your so website. So my Instagram is, yeah, at Dr. Zaria Rubin. So it's my, just my full name is D-R, like spelled out, but at D-R-Z-A-R-Y-A-R-U-B-I-N. That's on Instagram. My website is www.drzaria.com. And yeah, and and my Facebook group is the Burnout to Brilliance group. And you guys can find me there. You can sign up for my newsletter. You can join the decluttering challenge that's going on right now. And I do have an exciting partnership that I was going to talk about for a couple of minutes um, with an endometriosis clinic here in Portland, the Northwest Center for Endometriosis and Pelvic Surgery which happens to be my husband's clinic, Dr. Nicholas Fogelson. He's amazing and he's an endometriosis surgeon. And I know that endometriosis is one of those conditions that is so common among women and is so underdiagnosed. And there's often a massive delay between time to presentation with symptoms and actual diagnosis because doctors don't believe women. And they're just told, like, well, periods are painful. It's normal, but it's not normal. And if you're doubled over in pain with your period and you can't function and you can't go to work, that's not normal. We should not normalize this and we should believe women and listen to them. So, and there's often just so many different manifestations of endometriosis. So, I am going to be working with the clinic and helping patients by providing them with functional medicine coaching and counseling and services and testing. And so either pre-op or post-op, because often these patients require complicated surgery and there's just a lot of help that they need for the pain and also for, they want to make dietary changes and it's like complicated and it's a lot of work. And, you know, my husband and his partner, Dr. Shanti Moli, who's an incredible surgeon as well, they just don't have the bandwidth and the time to spend with patients to talk them through this for hours and hours and hours about like, how do you implement an anti-inflammatory diet? How do you relieve stress at home? Like these are really tough things that require a lot of discussion and, you know, we'll leave the surgery to them and we'll leave the health and wellness and functional medicine coaching to me. So yeah, for folks who are patients there or who are thinking about it or who have endometriosis, it's a great resource. 
And I'm so lucky to be partnering with them. That is so exciting. They recognize the need for that to be integrated and so wonderful that women will get that additional support as part of that. Well, they know that outcomes tend to be better when patients implement these other lifestyle changes. They're really hard to do. Studies show that it requires a lot of support. And oftentimes, typical medical clinics and offices, they just don't have the time to make that happen for patients. So we're really excited that we're going to be able to provide them. Yay, that's so wonderful. Dr. Zaria, I'm so excited about you doing your work period and about the lives that you're impacting and this perspective. It is so exciting because people that listen to my podcast know that I've had my frustrations with medical systems and delays with getting supports around stuff. And your philosophy and your way of doing things is so beautiful and so important. So I'm so excited you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to be able to share it and to have these opportunities like being on podcasts like this. And I love public speaking. So, you know, if there's any other opportunities for events or workshops or conferences or summits, I'm really happy to to do that as well and speak at your next event or anyone's event who's listening who needs a speaker. I'm speaking, I have a couple of gigs this summer that I'm really excited about, speaking about burnout, about work-life balance, about burnout in medicine. That's a real, it's a real near and dear to my heart topic. So yeah, I just want to get that message out there and share it. And you know, we're we're not alone as women with this struggle that we have and need to just support each other and take care of each other. That's wonderful. So yes, so connect with Dr. Zaria, Instagram, her website, all these places, Facebook group. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Shaw. It was wonderful. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I got a lot out of it. Be sure to jump on over to Instagram and follow us at the.grit.show. And if you aren't already following Authentic Connections Podcast Network at 37 by 27, you should definitely be doing that as well. We're launching the Authentic Connections Podcast Accelerator. It's an amazing opportunity for you to be part of a cohort launching your podcast together. It's a small group. It's very select. If you join the Summer Accelerator, you'll be part of the founding circle of Authentic Connections, which is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Get into the DMs at 37 by 27 with the word amplify. I'll send you our workshop from dreaming to doing, and you can learn more about this amazing opportunity. Don't forget, you are the only one of you that this world has got. And that means something. I'll be here next Tuesday. I hope you are too.